0: Hey, everybody. What's up? Just a quick message before the show starts. This is a long episode. It comes in at about two hours, which is a really long show for me. I usually don't do episodes this long. It's It's been quite some time. This week, we have Stephanie Quick on the show, co-hosting with me, and we are interviewing David Metcalf about a variety of off-the-wall and weird topics. David lives in Georgia, and he's doing some of the interview outside on his phone in the summertime with cicadas going in the background, which damn near sounds like he's standing inside of a wind tunnel. So it's some points, there's some noise in the background. I know that's probably not a big deal for some of you, but I'm really anal about how good my show sounds. And also, um, most of the time with these shows, I tend to, when Stephanie's on here, I try to keep my mouth shut and just chime in every once in a while and let Stephanie run the show for the most part. Not so much in this episode. For whatever reason, there are times when I'm with Stephanie that I go out on a limb and I put a little bit of myself out there. Um, And people that know me know that I'm not real comfortable putting stories about my life and my personal personal life and just my strange experiences in general. It's not something that I'm real comfortable talking about. So forgive me for rambling and making these weird little awkward laughs that I do when I get real nervous, but I'm leaving it in the show because it's part of the show and it's done. It's here. It's on the tape. So just kind of forgive me if I get a little weird on here. It's this, this is stuff that I normally don't like to, the, the things that happen to me in my experiences, I don't like to put out in public and I don't like to put them in the show but I did it. So, yeah. Anyways, here we go. Hope you guys enjoy it. Again, as always with these kinds of shows, if you don't make it all the way through, A, because it's too long or because the topic matter is just a little bit too strange, cool. I get it. We'll see everybody again next episode. Here we go.
1: Hello? 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 It's all around us.
0: Welcome back, everybody. And returning with me is Stephanie Quick, who has put together another show. And this week, we're going to be talking to David Metcalf about synchronicities. And again, this is more or less a show where I'm going to sit back and let Stephanie here do most of the work while I drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, I might, I might be adding a little bit more to this show because me and you, um, for the life of us, we seem to have all kinds of weird, strange synchronicities. Um and they're always odd ones. I recall that me and you will probably bring this up in the show, too, that me and you had one about Fight Club at one time or something. I had brought mm-hmm. up a, a Fight Club quote, and you were at a coffee house, and somebody was reading Fight Club or looked like
2: Tyler Durden or, or something like that. I don't remember what it was. What was happening with me, I was up in uh, Nevada City, and I was in a cafe. I was around the town. I was reading... Uh, on Twitter, uh, Diana Pasuka was talking about Fight Club and how it was with these guys that she was talking about or interviewing for American Cosmic, they had much the same uh, intense, ongoing relationship to that movie that you just described. Mm-hmm. She was talking about that. Meanwhile, I was trying to convey to you there's this, uh, now it's a defunct uh, bar, uh, coffee place called the Curly Wolf and I always had like a gaming table I mean I always looked like the type of place like you'd walk in and Micah Hanks would be there you know I mean yeah. it just had this real cool awesome vibe so I was trying to I was sending you a picture about that and then I was talking trying to make a point on the fight club thing and th- th- this guy came by and he was wearing like a full uh, length you know, four length fur coat with an open neck, this nice big, tall, strong guy with hairy chestnut beard. And so I took a picture of him and I didn't even have to shift my weight. It was really crowded, but I had a clear view of him and I sent you that picture. And just as I was typing in uh uh Diana's uh Twitter thread, you came back and you said, Wow, he looks just like that guy from Fight Club. Yeah, Tyler Yeah. So which I had no idea. So It was really wild, but the the even wilder thing is, of course, I said that to uh, Dr. Pasulka later because I thought she'd get a kick out of it, Um, and she let me know that, and and this is the thing um, about synchronicities, that you get these simple ones, but a lot of them get very complex and kind of go on for a long time. She said, let me know that um, when she was a teenager, she lived near Nevada City, and that's she hung out there all the time. Mm -hmm. So... It was like a neat synchronicity, but then to find out that actually it happened in this place that has a lot of meaning to her as well as to me, was just even you know, just kind of puts the cherry on top of it. So yeah. yeah you
0: have. <laughs> We've had various strange ones. I can't remember all of them now. They're they're just kind of random in what they are and how they happen. Yeah. So yeah. it's like – but that's, that's – this is – before we jump into the show, some people see ghosts, some people, you know, they're into Bigfoot, some people are into UFOs. My thing that's always happened to me in life is synchronicity, and I have them happen so often and to such an extent that um, I believe we brought this up on the show about empathy to where for (laughs) the longest time it used to bother me because it was like I just had this feeling of being like on a carnival ride, being on rails and not really having any control of my life, that things were set on a predetermined path for lack of a better term. Um, Sometimes I speak in analogies Um, (laughs) What makes it easier for me to explain things sometimes Um, since I've come to terms with since I've just come to terms with it because I've had so many so many bizarre interactions, or I'll have synchronicities with people where um, I'll be drinking coffee in the morning, and I had a friend of mine that messaged me like, "You're you're drinking French vanilla coffee right now? I can tell it. I, I can tell." Or I was uh, buzzing off my when I very first time I buzzed off all my hair and decided to go bald. I uh, had mm-hmm. a friend of mine message me and say, uh, "You're you're shaving your hair right now, aren't you? I I, I know that you're shaving your hair." Um, this, things like this happen all the time with me, and they get stranger and stranger. You know, folding out into the infinite, for lack of a better term. So this is a topic that's always um, – it's had a fascination with me. Um, I've always taken this Robert Anton Wilson kind of attitude towards it to where every single particle in some way or another affects every other particle in the universe in some way. And everything mm-hmm. is linked. Um, maybe I need to take another hit of my joint. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> So anyways <laughs> – We're going to have David Metcalf on here. David, I'm going to let him describe who he is. If you want to describe a little bit about him, you can, or we can just have him give a description of who he is. It's been a while since he's been on here. I think it's been, oh shoot, he was on here for the original Santa Morte show that we did years and years back. So... You know, it's a, if you want to give a description of them or what have you, it's up to you. If
2: not, you know, we can just jump oh, in. is kind of like where the very brainy meets the very weird. That's probably the best description.
0: That's, yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating, <laughs> great way to put it. That's exactly what it is. So, um, so I'd be easier yeah, probably to let him describe what he does because he's into a lot of shit. I mean, he's got his fingers into everything. He's you just, know, I
2: feel, ter- I feel terrible because he's actually, um, Helped me, you know, at various times with, you know, I let me use a couple of his drawings for illustrations on my blog. And sometimes, you know, I can't find like a certain uh, paper or something and he'll help me with that, which is uh, very kind of him. But I feel terrible because, um, you know, growing up, I was just, I'm one of those people, you just ask me anything and I'm like, well, let me, oh yeah, blah, blah. It's kind of like a human encyclopedia, Yeah. which always bothered me, which always bothered me because, you know, you kind of feel like, eh. But then, um, you know, now it's like he's one, too, and I'm like, ah, wow, man, no wonder people love it. It's great. You sit yeah. on your ass and ask this person, and they just know. Well, for but I've anyway. Looking for a way so to have this guy
0: to, back on. So it was like, yeah, yeah this is great, you know?
2: Um, and he knows a lot about uh, laboratory work on um, – psi effects you know uh pk projects there's a gansfeld uh remote viewing where you take these uh, spontaneous events that happen and try and pare them down and get them small enough and and um detailed enough so that you can put a model on them in a physical lab and learn about them that way Mm -hmm. so i thought it'd be uh, great to have that contrasted with um I do a lot of uh, experimenting with trying to precipitate synchronicities, documenting them, uh, trying to get better ones, that type of stuff. So I thought it'd be interesting to have kind of like the the spontaneous wild out there, crazy stuff that happens, and then uh, see how this maps onto, uh, you know, actual laboratory work and, and talk about that some, so...
0: We'll see. That's the difference between me and you, and then we'll jump into this. Whereas I try to get away from this stuff and run away from it, you poke at it and you prod it. And you yeah. try to encourage this stuff, whereas with me, it's like I don't need any more weirdness in my life, especially <laughs> with the people that I know because I am far – well, it's, it's a, I'll, I'll get into it another time. But you go out and like actually poke and prod and, and try to get this stuff to happen. So anyways, um, let's jump into this interview with David and then we'll talk to everybody at the other side of this. So here we go. All right, so returning this week after a long absence is David Metcalf. David, we had you on here, God, it was probably six years ago maybe to talk about. That was our original Santa Morte show. And then since then, yeah. I've been trying to figure out a way to get you back on. I think we were going to have you on here to talk about um, social engineering, like how to profile people and social engineer people or get people to do things um, through the, the Internet of Things. But we just never got around to it. And then – it fell through the cracks and then stuff here was like, hey, let's talk about synchronicity and let's get David Metcalf on the show to do it. Now, before the show, we were trying to describe your background and it's pretty in-depth. You've got your fingers involved in a lot of different stuff. So I guess give everybody, as I like to say, the dime store tour of who you are and what you do.
3: Sure. Uh, well, with the, it's, I think that that was a good introduction to (laughs) why, you know, I can, I can cover Santa Muerta. I can cover, uh, you know, social engineering or we can talk about synchronicity.
1: Synchronicity Um, it is.
3: It's, I'm not sure exactly. That's a difficult question even for me. So my, my background is in, uh, comparative religions and cognitive philosophy. Um, and then from that, I've kind of, uh, drifted around in looking at parapsychology and media studies and, uh, belief structures and, and that kind of thing. Um, professionally, I, I work in communications. So all those things are very helpful in that. Um, and then kind of on the side, I work with various academics, um, on, on different kind of projects. So the Santa Muerta one's a long-term project that I've done with uh, Dr. Andrew Chestnut looking at the growth of uh, the Saint Death devotional tradition. Um, and then some of the other stuff that I've I've done more recently, I co-authored a paper with Diana Pasolka on the psychic history of the Internet um, and the, the kind of Catholic visionary history of the Internet. Um, and then more recently... I've been taking kind of a, a dive into uh, some of the different uh, American folk traditions and folk uh, magic traditions and that, and looking at those, how they interrelate with with media and mediation and that kind of thing.
0: That will be something, and I will be bugging you to come back on, because I am very interested in folk magic, uh, Appalachian folk magic, conjure things yeah. along those lines. yeah. But um, that will be for a later date. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to put a pin in that and put it over here on my mental bulletin board, and then probably never get back to you on it. This seems to be what yeah. happens between us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Steph, you're the one pretty much calling the shots here and running the show this this week. So, where do you want to start with the whole process of synchronicity?
2: Well, I was thinking what would be uh, appropriate is, and thank you very much, David, for agreeing to be on the show uh, because I pitched it to you as kind of like a let's do a show on synchronicity that will be kind of like. Last podcast on the left meets the Schwepp podcast. So I thought it was very brave of you to agree to this. <laughs> but, um, am I the so, Schwepp
0: or am I the last podcast on the left? <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're obviously Ben Kissel. I'll be Nank Zabrowski. Um, so, so I have obviously been uh pretty obsessed with synchronicities for many years. Um, I wanted to uh, let people know about me to begin with that um, I have been doing these synchronicity experiments for, I don't know, the better part of 20 years now. I started like 17 or 18 years ago um, where I would try and generate synchronicities through attention and will, um, various kind of, I never really did any rituals or anything. It was mostly just kind of a matter of focusing my attention. And I've done some on my own. I've done some with other people. For example, Steve Ray. We did that one on uh, psychic influencing experiment on Radio Mysterioso. Um, and then about the last year and a half, I've been just really trying to hone in on generating synchronicities that will be easy to uh, communicate to other people. Um, because they tend to, you know, Rojan, as we were discussing in the intro, they tend to take on these huge um kind of baroque, uh, recurring structures that can go over years and, you know, kind of bring in all type of people and events, you know, way across the world, people you don't know, uh, strange stuff. And they can get really the the really kind of humdinger ones can be very aesthetic, but they could take, you know, like half an hour, 45 minutes to even just try and convey. So I wanted to try and um, hone my synchronicity skills. This doesn't sound completely batshit. Um, To get ones that could come across easily and that they would have, um, uh, give people a feel for the the emotional and ontological impact of these events on the experiencer. And that they also have a certain amount of documentation. So people didn't just have to take my word for it that these things happened. Um, And I think that I've been getting a little better at that this year. But uh, David, that's why I wanted you to have on is to talk about how, um, a project such as mine could possibly be justified. Can I ask one thing real quick before we jump into this? When yes. you say that you're uh-huh. trying
0: to trigger these, how exactly are you going about trying to trigger a synchronicity because in essence it sounds like what you're describing is you're basically working magic for the most part. Um, you know,
3: yeah, that that sounds very very magical.
0: Yeah, it's you're yes. you're putting your intention out there to trigger to try to trigger something to happen in some way shape or form. Um, to actually like force a synchronicity to happen, where is from my understanding, synchronicities are just. Uh, well, I think uh, what did what did Jung Carl Jung or Jung, however the hell you want to pronounce it, um, meaningful coincidences that are not related is the way I believe he referred to it as. So yes, so you're actually trying to put intention out there to cause something to happen, which is the core
2: mechanic of magic. No. <laughs> yes, although. Well, how do I say this? So my background, we've discussed on the show before, I had a near, I was always interested in everything, much like David Metcalf, um, and para, parapsychological stuff and the role of consciousness in that. From the time I was really small, then I had a near-death experience when I was 21, and I got put in touch with these other dimensional beings that um, – it gave me a lot of teachings and energetic practices. And so I started to, you know, meditate consistently. I I was lucky in high school, we had a yoga teacher. This was like in the seventies when you didn't normally have that in high school. Um, So I, I, I've been doing these practices for a long time because I'm old now. (laughs) And um, so I've always approached it more from like a mystical uh, angle, but if you're activating your ability to alter your consciousness and experience these, these mystical states, um, then you're going to be working with the same kind of energetic or consciousness structures that would be involved in magic. You just don't necessarily have the whole ritual involved in that. Although I have, you know, studied in a Tibetan Buddhist meditation center and then also with this uh, uh, kind of North American shaman lady for a while. Um, So I've been involved in ritual magic, but I don't know. For whatever reason, I just tend to go straight towards that, um, using attention and uh, mental uh, will discipline to try and and generate these events. So, I guess my question would be:
0: Are are you actually are you actually working synchronicity, or are you working magic? Because synchronicity, well,
3: I think that well, I think so. I think what's interesting here, and this is, I think, Stephanie, the question that you're asking about kind of refining this process of uh, inducing synchronicities, recording them, and kind of tracing that that structure. When we think about synchronicities, right, a lot of times we think about kind of like the everyday mundane, like, oh, that was kind of a more meaningful coincidence, and it's sort of like a one-off, and aha, wasn't that interesting, and, and what does that mean about reality, and then we go back to work or do whatever. Um, but then you know, once you get deeper into it, it's like, well, okay, what does that mean? Right? Like, what is, Mm -hmm. what does it mean that we had these meaningful connections between what I was thinking? Um, what I said, you know, my relationships with people, my relationships with the environment, what is the meaning there? What does that meaning structure? And then once you start to look at that, then suddenly you start to see oh hey wait a second like there's this kind of like lattice work of of meaning and intention and this interplay with the world and with other people and you know other levels of reality and other possible you know possibly other intelligences and that um and so it it our kind of colloquial use of the word synchronicity um, is just the beginning of it, right? Rojan, like when you're, when you're talking about like, is that synchronicity or magic? Well, in a lot of ways, you know, and this kind of, this kind of touches on what Eric Wargo talks about in terms of the way he talks about precognition is that there's, uh, we have these words for these experiences that we have. Um, but each of those experiences touch on this deeper level of reality. And so, you know, whether it's through what we call magic, you know, or whether it's through exploring synchronicity, you start to hit on this kind of uh, commonality because you're you're dipping into the same pool. You know, it's just it's called by different you know words. Um, because you know, it's I was thinking kind of the with the the short like synchronicity inductions. You know, I'm really obsessed with these dream uh, the lottery dream books. You know, um, these things you can pick up at the gas station that gives you uh, numbers associated with your dream content. And Stephanie, one of the things I was thinking about would be. So what's the difference between uh, synchronicity in kind of a meaningful, broader sense and the synchronicity of simply having a dream that corresponded to a word that happened to correspond to your winning lottery number? And so if you were able to, like, refine the synchronicity into a kind of just a quick pop, you know, you mm-hmm. could suddenly start winning the lottery on these synchronicities, you know, because it wouldn't be precognition. It wouldn't be whatever it would be. You're, you synchronize with the uh, you just, you know, it just so happens that these things all line
2: up and you get a well, million that- dollars. Uh, <laughs> let's work on that together.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's you know? uh, go straight for the dollar sign here. You, know, you, you refine the synchronicity machine, and we will uh, get the money.
2: Well, it's funny because um, you, and I want to re- read a little bit. Right now, um, my friend, uh, Dr. C.S. Lewis, wrote a book called Mysterious Beauty Living uh, with the Paranormal in the Hudson Valley, which everyone should go out there and read. She's also known as Professor Wham. She's co-host of the Church of Mavris radio show. But um, she uh, has a section in that book about Eugenia, Eugenia Macer's story, who was very interested in synchronicities. And um, she's just a completely amazing person. Actually uh, smiles Lewis of anomaly archives. is going to be hosting a talk with a bunch of us, uh, him Wham, Ben Raylance, and me talking about uh Macer's story. Uh, but anyway, uh, so if people are interested in synchronicities, uh, the UFO experience, playwriting, uh, the role of art and paranormal, Um, You might want to listen to that. But um, So Wham wrote this. She said, synchronicity, on the other hand, as Jung describes it, is a dense layering of coincidences and association which occur over an extended period of time or among previously unacquainted people that indicate a deeper associative pattern than merely coincidence. In fact, synchronicities can be so complex that they are rather difficult to describe in a linear fashion, and frequently the individuals involved in these associations are unaware of their participation in a larger synchronicity Rather, it has to be pointed out to them. So this is part of the deal, because um, like you were talking about with the, the, the lottery dream books, is, you know, that has to do with the symbol language,
1: mm-hmm. right?
2: And how, how do you get to understand your symbol language? Because there was this, um, I did a show with Alex Bolan, hello Alex, on premonitions a while back. And I found out about these people that had a, uh, a stock market dream group. And so they were, as you were suggesting, trying to dream uh, precognitively of what was going to be happening in the stock market. And mm-hmm. all of them went through a, a kind of a training period where they had to be able to. First of all, you have to have dream good dream recall, so that so much for me. But then, but then you have to be able to understand your own symbol language, what your subconscious is telling right. you, because. There, there's this kind of uh idea that you have some enlightened person somewhere who who's able to hold everything happening in consciousness at once but for the vast majority of people you, you only have, you have consciousness but then there's always the unconscious like you know it's like the yin and yang you know you can't be thinking about making your heart beat all the time if you're going to get anything else done right um So there's this whole thing of you know bringing this this material to to consciousness and having a free connection with your subconscious and uh, also with the with the outside world. Lots of times I find when I'm now partly this is because this it makes for a better synchronicity as far as for proof. But if you have someone uh, doing something in reaction to an intention that you set or that something that's a big theme for you. then I think that makes for better synchronicity. But also, it's it's one of those things where I think my sense is, after having done this role, is that somehow you manage to both meet in the imaginal around a, a common theme, and you influence mm-hmm. one another that way, and it come then it manifests in the manifest world. I, Rojan, I'm going to tell. T- t- tell a story on myself, but I was emailing or messaging Rogen a couple of days ago because I've been trying to generate all these new synchronicities to have some for the show.
0: <laughs> you, you are the hardest working person I've ever seen at doing this kind of stuff that I know. As I said before the show, like, I run away from this stuff. You poke and prod at it like really hard. Like, you're all about going out and like hitting the bulldog trying to make it angry.
2: <laughs> not really. I mean, more. it's more... um you know, for the time I was really young, I just really wanted to know. So I ha- I really have that drive. But also, it's like you, you just in- – I mean, you end up having all this stuff happening. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, I got to – it's happening. I got to learn how to be more skillful with it, right? So – and then, you know, there's always kind of new, weird stuff happening. But anyway, so, Rojan, I had been messaging you like a day or so ago. It's like, you know, basically – having a fit about how all my synchronicities are involving like panties and butts oh, and yeah. decapitation and things on fire. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't I have a normal? You you don't have normal. Well, is
0: there a really a, <laughs> a is there really a, a thing as normal synchronicity though? When you, when you think about it, that's the whole, you know what? We haven't What's really exactly. explained what the whole concept of all of this is really. We've just kind of dove into this. So mm-hmm. um I, I guess the, the idea is that it's, it's something that happens, two events that happen at the same time that are unrelated. I guess that'd be a best way to put it
2: for the most part. It's a meaningful, meaningful coincidence. So at, at a time and space intersection in your field of consciousness, you see something that you recognize as meaningful. Yeah, yeah, but are they meaningful? Like me and you have had some really
0: stupid ones that have, were of no meaning whatsoever. You know, there's there's sometimes that these things happen that it's like, wow, that was really strange. What 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 is that? Where does that fit in the grand scheme of things?
3: <laughs> I have a good I have a good succinct one very quickly, just ahead, super succinct. So just to to get the concept of of a synchronicity. So, um, Steph, you had requested that we watch for synchronicities before the show. And so I was watching, and I was like, "Wow! Like we've got clear skies. There's no synchronicities happening whatsoever." And um, last night, out of no particular thing other than that the book was right next to me, and I didn't want to be looking at the computer, um, I pulled out Robert Kirk's um, *Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies*. Right. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> open it at random, start reading about uh, co-walkers which are uh, ethereal beings um, that he describes as uh, paralleling people in their lives. So within the, the Highland tradition that Kirk is describing, um, people with second sight could see these etheric doubles that would follow people. And they would, um, you know, they would trace through, and you know, if you were cooking dinner, your ethereal double would be cooking dinner. If you were gorging yourself in f- on food, they would gorge themselves on food, and they they are described as eating um, the kind of spiritual pith of the the stuff. I think Stephanie, which is an interesting thing, Stephanie, because you had brought, we talked about that before with Josh. Uh, yeah, poison. Yeah. Yeah, foison. Mm-hmm. So they would eat the foison, right? So, so I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like this, this co-walker. And I just love the term co-walker. Like it was just kind of like a cool kind of like sci-fi fantasy world stuff. <laughs> so like that's a, you know, a co-walker. Like that's cool. So mm-hmm. today I'm, uh, talking with somebody about social engineering, Roach. And, uh, he started describing how, um, you know, all of our data gets sucked up as we're using these different apps and everything and it's creating this electronic double of us, right? Mm -hmm. So as he said that, I was like, oh, wow, that's the co-walker, right? Like, that's our digital co-walker. And so suddenly these two ideas are bonded in my mind. And what was interesting is, is the person who introduced me to this guy, I had been talking to him about the commonality between um, traditional magic and... Uh, digital magic, right? Like digital social engineering ideas. So here, all these ideas are starting to kind of lump together. And then before the show, I was looking up uh, Bernard Bateman's stuff, because he's a scientist that has been looking into uh, synchronicity. And mm-hmm. Bernard Bateman, the article that I pulled up, the only article that I got to before the show started, mentions the digital double. So oh, that's all great. Things, yeah. So starting last night with opening up uh, Secret Commonwealth, I read about the co-walkers. You know these ethereal doubles. Talked to a guy today about the digital double, and then Bernard Bateman with the digital double. So that would be an example of a kind of uh matrix of, of yeah. events and uh, themes.
2: And I have to say that first of all, that I think that no, that I think that's nice because it's very clear um, what you're talking about, and it kind of pulls from. Uh, many different avenues of interaction which is also i think is a stronger synchronicity but i like it from the own personal angle because the first uh, um synchronicity experiment that i did i ended up seeing a double of a lady and her dog and then also her her previous dog which had died as a ghost
3: oh yeah the ghost <laughs> dog yeah
1: yes yeah. the
2: ghost dog is a mystery box yeah he turned into a mystery box um but yeah so yeah that's really yeah that's nice and, it's, well, I see, and then it's
3: that's a further synchronicity and so this is the over time right like exactly. I mean yeah. that further like goes into the, the kind of synchronicity thing so mm-hmm.
2: yeah and it's nice and I think part part of it too is just um, one of the things that I try and deal with is the whole idea of um, seeing what the you know the symbol language like Roger was saying well is there meaning And um, it's, you know, did it really happen? Is there really a meaning here? And I like your example because it's easy to see that this has a clear uh, meaning relationship happening there as well. Other things are difficult because um, I was thinking about this before the show. There's ones that are. Um, really good. I mean, the type of things that, uh, like a scientifically minded person would like to see is going to be like names, dates, uh, social security numbers, those type of identifiers, which can show up in synchronicities, but then, you know, you don't want to be doxing people or giving out, identi- you know, information they could use to steal people's identity that you're Which yeah.
3: you, which you had, uh, you discussed in, uh, reacting to, uh, Jeffrey Kripal's uh, why you know why the paranormal or why the why these the phenomena isn't as uh, prevalent in scientific circles the yeah we, thing, which i think is yeah. true and also the dirty laundry right like the
1: oh yeah'
3: the, the kind of
0: this stuff mm-hmm. is random you can't like i admire the fact that you're trying to trigger this stuff to make it happen but it's if it were if we were able to do that then it wouldn't be looked at as something that's quote unquote paranormal
3: Well, it's not, it's not random though. They, they do just happen, but I think, you know, I, I would agree with Steph that there's a, that the more that you train yourself within this domain, it doesn't act like, um, it's not like pulling the trigger and the bullet goes out and hits your target. But, um, you know, it's not so, it's, it's more like Zen and the art of archery. You know, it's kind of like you, you shoot the arrow into the air and it, it hits the target that you need. Like, I don't think it's, I would say at this point in my experience, it's not random. See
0: again, this is the way that I describe magic to people. <laughs> when somebody says, "How does magic work?" I'm like, "Well, you're not always going to get what you want, but you will get what you need." You know, it's just a matter of putting your intents and your 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 idea out there and how you word it and how you push it and everything. And you may not win the thousand dollars, but you might win the thirty dollars that you need to pay the bill off that you need to pay off. Mm-hmm. You know, or something mm-hmm. along those lines.
3: Right. Well, I think that magic and synchronicity, I think those things, you know, I think it's, again, I think it's drawing on the same set of something else that we don't have a word for, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think it's in the same, the same thing. I mean, with I think with my example of the the co-walkers and that, you know, I use synchronicity in research, so I use it as a research tool, like if, if I'm not drawn to a cluster of meaning, um, I usually won't look at something. You know, and, and it, up to this point has served me well. I don't, you know, I don't need to, I don't, I don't know, I don't earn my bread on the research. So I don't know that, <clears throat> you yeah, know, I don't know if it's monetizable in that way. But I've talked to other, uh, you know, like PhD, like faculty, uh, researchers and professors in that, who that's the way that they approach their research as well. You know, it's is where's the cluster of meaning, you know, and, and then they'll go to that. And it's not necessarily a kind of linear, like I'm studying this and going down this line, but more of I'm, I've got this broad net and then where are the meaning clusters drawing me, you know, using the tools of scholarship and that.
0: So mm-hmm. basically, there, it's it's not cause and effect. It's It's more a matter of effect and then you trace the causality to it. Is that what you're saying?
3: I would say it's correlation. Um, I think it's correlative as opposed to causative. So,
0: I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to. I really am. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm just trying to figure out because this stuff happens to me all the time in my life. It's been a governing factor in my life for a long time. Where I've had a situation. Um, I'll tell a story real quickly, as quickly as I can. Me and my mother had a big falling out a long time ago. We lost contact with each other for a number of years. Um, and then I had a family member come into where I work that I hadn't seen in a very, very long time. And they just happened to come into where I work and we were talking. I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. how you doing? Here's my phone number. Get in touch with me sometime. That family member in turn was on a trip very far away from where, uh, on the other end of Michigan. They were stopping in this small town for something. They were picking up something for something like that. My mother was on a bus. The toilet in the bus went out. So they had to stop in this town to use this bathroom at a gas station. Uh, because the toilet wasn't working as fate would have it, My cousin that I hadn't seen in a number of years was at the same gas station in the middle of nowhere, running into my mother, runs into my mother and says, oh yeah, I ran into your son. Here's his phone number, you know, get in contact with him. At the time, I really didn't want to talk with my mom, but the odds of these two people running into one another and me running into my family member that I hadn't seen in a long time, it was a very strange correlation. And then in turn, my mother got in touch with me and we began to rebuild our relationship again. Um, so that was a very strange thing. Um, but before that, I had had situations where my mother was trying to find me, contacted somebody in my family that had a very similar last name um, and was trying to find me. And at the time, I didn't want to find them. So there was these things going on where my mother was trying to locate me. And then everything just fell together for these two people to run into each other, or for my mother to get a phone number, to contact me. Um, things like that happen all of the time with me. Um, there was another situation. Um, well, that's a much longer story. I'll go into it another time. But um, it's I guess there was meaning in that that at some point we we were supposed to reconnect and try to reestablish a relationship of some kind. But it was just again a very bizarre sequence of of happenings to make that kind of thing happen. So you know, I'm not sure. You know, but these are the kind of things that happen to me on a very regular basis. I discovered that I had a family. I had a, I had a little sister that I didn't know about. Um And me and that person's mother just happened to be working at the same place and we had never known each other or even existed. And then all of a sudden this person comes up and says, yeah, I'm your stepmother. Your father married uh, me after he divorced your mom. You have a half sister out there and she wants to meet you. And we just happened to line up. Now, the funny thing is, is I did not have a relationship with my father in any way, shape or form. Two weeks later, my father came in looking for a job. On the midnight crew that I was working on, handed me the application and said, well, can you hire me? And I said, well, no, I can't. <laughs> and the reason why is I'm your son. <laughs> Before that, I had never had any contact with my father at all. So in a two weeks period of time, I discovered that I had a sister out there and I had also met my father. We didn't have a relationship of any kind after that, but it was a strange situation of cause mm-hmm. and effect. What What is – Well, it
3: it was well, it was correlations, though. I mean, because see, the cause and effect, the cause and effect is real specific. It's like a billiard ball hitting another ball, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: you know. Um, Whereas what you're describing is these correlations of events that are meaningful, but they're not necessarily causative, right? Like they're not, um, you know, they make. I think causative in the sense that it caused you to reconnect with your mom. But I think of those things more in terms of meaning and correlation as opposed to kind of like a a one to one like math problem
1: uh-huh. and
3: that's i mean that that may just be my personal kind of uh belief system um
0: see these these things they kind of bug me because, as I was saying before the show with Stephanie, it's a situation where you know it's like um it's kind of like you're on a carnival ride, you have no control over your life. these things just happen you're on a you're on a ride it's on rails, so at that point it's like do we actually have free will or is everything just something that's going to happen, or is it a situation of like I knew my mother was trying to contact me, but I didn't want to talk to her, and these things just there there was other events around this. It's actually a much longer story, but these things just kept happening over and over and over again until eventually me and my mother finally talked again so you know, I don't mean to get all cosmic and, and take a hit off the bong, but is this the universe trying to push things into a certain di- a certain direction to make sure that something happens? Or is this just random stuff that falls into place to go a certain way?
2: If your mom is a witch and she wanted to reconnect with you. You know, that, that is
0: very possible because I was raised on Fleetwood Mac. She was a big Stevie Nicks fan and she was – Lots of scars. Um, I, I was raised with books on Wicca around the house. My mom never actually Great. became a full Wiccan. But she had that's that's kind of my introduction into a lot of this stuff is I grew up reading these books on magic and Wicca and you know all of these different things. My mom was also a big you know she was a big pot smoker, all of these things happened. but I always fall back to what what is the purpose of this and where is this some are these things or things that are guiding us in a certain situation because I also have relationships with friends and so forth while well, I will Once I establish a nice heavy friendship of some kind or another, synchronicities begin to happen with friends. I have a friend that um, gets nosebleeds every once in a while. And every time they get a nosebleed, I will usually get a nosebleed as well. And we're separated by thousands of miles. Um, So, you know, or is that, oh, God, I don't want to go woo-woo here, but is that some kind of a psychic bond? So there's all Gee, kinds I don't of things know.
2: it's hard to say <laughs> I,
3: <laughs> well Steph you sent me that cool thing about the the uh the Los Alamos green lights um, Oh you yeah, that's your that,
2: Jenny uh, macer uh, story yeah she yeah, has a whole and
3: mm-hmm. well I was just gonna say in that you know her talking about those uh that connectivity on the you know on a kind of Atomic level or a, a quantum level. I hate to use the word quantum, but you know, on yeah, it a, works. It works for razor blades too. Of-
0: batteries, whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: it's going kind to of become the go-to word of the new millennium. Quantum.
3: <laughs> yeah, the quant. Yeah, quantum. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll go there. We'll, we'll use the word quantum just because it's easy. It's a it's a marker. um But yeah, yeah so on like a go quantum, quantum level, quantumly. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, you're, you're connected in this, this way and that, you know, and that's like the, the micro PK stuff where, you know, intention affects, uh, the random number generators. So in that way, you know, if you think about, uh, a a true friendship, you know, you're starting to kind of Mm -hmm. merge with that person's, uh, you know, being. I tend to
0: do that a lot. Is there a way to stop that? Or
3: <laughs> no, I mean, well, you you could you could become a callous and uh, disassociative, you know. That Although seems that may to just be the only way to break it. Disassociative, maybe start connecting with everything, you know.
0: That,
2: that seems yeah. To be- if you're, diso- you're dissociative is not going to help that. It's it's going to basically you can decide to become very prosaic and not even think about any of this stuff. Just occupy your mind with the most banal material stuff you can find, yeah. or you figure out a way to become more skillful with it. It's,
0: I'm kind of stuck right in the middle of all that. I'm kind of looking for the path between all of that. Honestly, it it, it does bug me a lot of times because a lot of stuff comes through and a lot of things happen that really freak me out sometimes. But at the same time, it's like, well, this isn't going away. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how can I use this to do whatever I need to do or do what I want to do? It's one of those strange situations. It's like, does intention affect causality at that point? Or am I going too far off the
3: edge
2: here? (laughs) No, no. I mean, who are you talking to? I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I've been taking <laughs> all these secret she, years.
3: She's got a ghost dog. You yeah, know? I mean, you, you can be safe you're
1: in safe company.
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I would say. I want to say there. I mean, you get to a certain point. I actually, I grew up with a, some uh, friends, and it actually, uh, one of my friends is a, a scientist ecological science she works with the uh, ecological remediation and um the other is a computer programmer both of them ended up coming to the realization that they were you know psychic empaths for better lack of a better word and with both of them it's like you know finally you realize it, it can't be anything else that you're just you know getting for all of us a lot of the most uh difficult stuff like in our 20s and everything was um You know, picking up on other people's emotions, especially when they're having um, a uh, very difficult emotional experience, you know, like a tragic or unexpected death, that type of thing. Um, So, you know, at a certain point, you kind of say, "Okay, this is happening. And then you kind of got to move on to the next. My uh, meditation teacher, Leslie Temple Thurston, said, you know, you can always ask for help from you know, a higher power, your guides, whoever, in discerning what's you, what's not you, and in help, you know, if you need to just have a break, um, a lot of psychics will end up doing the thing where they just kind of tell everyone, you just got to kind of, you know, bug off because I'm taking a break from all this. But yeah, see, my problem with that is I
0: don't believe in psychics. So... (laughs) <laughs> I know this. I know this is all really weird. It's really hard for me to put out there. Even though I've That's had all awesome. of these crazy things happen to me, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. believe in something until it happens to me myself. And well, it, but
3: it has. It is you described. it believe in that either. I know, but I don't to want to call
0: discussing. it psychic because that sounds very woo woo and very mushy and, and very <laughs> hokey.
3: Because well, psychic just means all it means is uh, psyche, right? Like it's your. Psychic used to just mean mental. That was what the... Um,
0: so I'm mental. Got it. Okay, moving on.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just crazy. Okay, off. I'll, I'll, I'll
0: take that because that's that's a documentable, <laughs> yeah. verifiable thing that can be proven. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm digging too deep here maybe. I don't know. I mean, instead, of, instead of just... It's kind of like, it's kind of like when my buddy told me about, you need to try acid. And I'm like, no, I don't. He goes, no, you need to try acid and just let it happen and don't analyze the experience. Just let the experience happen. And he goes, you couldn't do that because if you were high on acid, you would try to analyze everything as it's happening to you. And that's kind of how it was when I first started using like edible marijuana and stuff. But I get where they're coming from. But at the same time, this is the way that I work. I have to, when these things happen, I have to analyze them as they happen to try to figure out what the root of everything is. And that's probably mm-hmm. what drives me nuts about it. So, yeah, I'm going to drink my beer now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think, you know, when you have this type of situ- situation, I don't know, I really, to me, the, the what I found works for people is at a certain point you just kind of have, and it's not, I mean, you could cut this off if you want, but I think that you have um, actually been engaging with it more consciously and, and working with it more the last while. Um, Rojan. And to me, that's 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 the way through. I mean, you know, do some type of practice, uh, keep notes, whatever. But that's that's what will bring the answers to you. is when you, you know, you have a certain experience where you just kind of get it. Um, that seems to be how it goes. A lot. But, it, you know, that I mean, trying to analyze it is great, but a lot of these experiences don't happen to engage like the logical thinky talky brain so much they're having on the, the, in the realm of the imaginal and symbols and that type of a mythic archetypal shared, um, very fuzzy space about what's inside and outside. Um, and so, you know, I understand. I mean, that's, uh, Something that I struggle with as well is trying to That's be able deep, to... Yeah. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry,
1: Trying go ahead. to
2: write about these things in a way that um, doesn't... That, that conveys that kind of essence of the uh, uh, a numinous experience. Not to sound like I'm way too much of my own, but, <laughs> but, you know, instead of kind of like in in the butterfly, right? To give you the experience of the butterfly flying towards you.
0: <laughs> <This is laughs> like gonna Why am I envisioning Mothra? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Reason I'm sure. Oh my God! That's but you know what you want. To hear? This is what
0: I do. People try to have a deep psychological, meaningful, spiritual experience, and that is kind of coming and piss all over everything. So yeah, no, but it's, uh, it's less
3: like Mothra. Different. It's less like Mothra attacking, and it's more like that beautiful song that the little uh, fairy oh, people yeah. sing to summon Mothra. <laughs> you know.
2: Well, you know what? Speaking of moths, today I was on my normal walk. I walk on a, a path, and I happen to see on the path. A lot, a lot of people ride their bikes along there too, and they go, really and sometimes they'll run over like a lizard or a bug or something, and it's, it's upsetting. So uh, I saw there were two moths on the path copulating. So I felt really bad because I didn't want them to get run over.
0: So you're in the moth porn now, or? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I have a bracelet that me and several other people wear, and it says you cannot control the moths that are drawn to your flame, but you can control the ones that you entertain. Um, And there's me and a bunch of other several people that are kind of, for lack of a better word, we're we're linked in some way, shape, or form, which is why I always post these moth memes on, on Facebook. It's kind of an inside joke between all of us and like that's there's a term that we use like when somebody needs help with something like that they'll be like I need a lamp you know and that's kind of a code for I need somebody to talk to or I need somebody to put some good vibes out for me or some kind of good feelings out for me or something like that so we there's a few of us that have these bracelets that we have made and then we wear them and we're all kind of like intersynced in some way shape or form and these are the people that I have these strange synchronicities with there's like a there's like a group of us and for for whatever reason and i have people that i've never met i have a, a somebody that lives out in vegas who always always knows what the hell is going on in my life and uh i never get anything from her i never receive anything from her on her end and then i've got other people who are all kind of like i guess synchronously entwined for for lack of a better term so you bringing up moths is a very strange thing within itself because that's a term that we all toss amongst each other all the time. That's I don't know, Stephanie. You see me post all these moth memes on Facebook. That's what those those moth memes are all about.
2: The funny thing is, you've told me about this before, and I knew about it, but it didn't. I didn't twig because I ended up picking the moths up and putting them up over in the bushes where they could have some <laughs> a better chance of survival. Go away, lady. We're busy. <laughs> 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 but I didn't even get it until you just start talking about it now it's like oh yeah i'm recording with roja today and there's these moths that are actually i guess that would be a a positive sign for your moth group I hope. <laughs> yeah what's well, this that's just a
0: term that we all we all use with yeah. one another that's just the way that we all kind of think of each other as moths you know moths to the flame or moths to, moths are drawn to the lamps they're drawn to the energy or whatever well what it is is they're they're it messes up their compass they use the moon for navigating when they see a light they're drawn to that it messes them up But, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just a term that we use with one another to to kind of like it's just a way that we look out for one another or something like that. So whenever one of us posts these moth memes, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, cool. How you doing? You know, it's just it's just our little joke that we do between one another. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's got really not a lot to what we're talking about. I just found it odd that you brought up the whole moth thing. So, um, moving on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, 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 that that's exactly what we're talking about, though, because uh, I I saw Steph's post. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was yeah. Uh, she encountered these moths today in a meaningful way, and mm-hmm. then that you know now we start talking about it, and it has this this deeper meaning. You know, again, kind of expanding on the. You know the synchronicity discovered after the fact kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I
0: mean, I know those people. I know a lot of them are listening right now, probably like getting a giggle of what of me talking about it on the air because it's something that we never, <laughs> we almost never talk about publicly. I mean, there's nothing's going to happen. No one's going to scorn me for it or whatever. But I know, I know quite a few of them are they're chuckling right now listening to this. So it's just a really weird for whatever reason that just became the way that we all identify with one another is the whole moths joke. Um, when somebody will say, "Hey, I've got you know, I've got this person now that they've kind of gone on to me and they're they're." You know, I'm, I'm becoming their source. I'm becoming their source of structure, or their their thing to to help them get along in life or whatever. The term is, oh yeah, you've got a moth now. You know, that's that's just kind of the way that we look at things. You know, it's like when someone comes to you for help and they kind of attach themselves to you, or for whatever reason, it works both ways. It's the term we use is like, oh yeah, you've got a moth now. You know, you've you've got a moth that's drawn to you, and these people tend to float in for a little while, they're there for a little bit, and then they float out, and then something else floats in, and it's this weird cyclical thing that we've all kind of just come to understand. It usually lasts around six, seven months, you know, and then, for whatever reason, someone will drift off, and then they'll get them off, and then it's this weird, like, interaction thing that happens. I don't know if this has anything to do with synchronicity, but it's just one of those strange things that we've never quite figured out, but we've all embraced it as a group. So, yeah, there's that. (laughs)
2: well part of it is that you know i mean we call it synchronicity but you know like david was pointing out i mean these are just terms that people have come up with to try and describe some of part of life right Mm -hmm. i mean and there's a lot of overlap i mean it's like you know colors you could say well everything is you know red blue or yellow but then there's like 8 million different – so it all depends on how you kind of want to slice it up, right, mm-hmm. or kind of you know, model it. So I don't know. So, David, one thing I thought of today was um, because so much of synchronicity has to do with uh, meaning and symbolic language, uh, what does like the remote viewing experiments and I was thinking the Gansfeld experiments um, – mm-hmm. You know, it seems to me like there's some applicability there as far as taking it, this type of thing, into a laboratory setting. And and what does that seem to tell us about this?
3: Well, an interesting thing, um, which actually I had just been refreshed on by looking at that Bernard Bateman piece that I I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. Um, he was framing synchronicity as a way to get out of a mechanistic paradigm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is symbolic, it is meaningful. you, and the interesting way that he described that was that, um, you know, and this goes back and kind of the digital double idea, but, um, you know, there's algorithmic metrics with which our personalities are, you know, psychological types and our behavior patterns and all that can be measured. Um, and that, uh, you know, um, the sort of uh, S. Miles Lewis had talked about the artificial synchronicities, um, mm-hmm. which Diana Pasolka also talks about. Um, this kind of uh, simulated synchronicity that happens when you encounter, you know, just the right ad at just the right time or you know, a, a, something where you're geocached and, you know, um, you're in a certain place at a certain time and a marketer's paid to have a message sent to you. So
0: Yeah, that's how TikTok works. Like the, that whole TikTok yeah. app, it works yeah. completely off of that. It builds a personality Profile off of you to show you the kind of videos and things that you are interested in.
2: Right. So when you log exactly. in, it
0: immediately says, "Oh, you like this. You like this," and then it, it formulates, which Facebook does too. That's how it figures out the ads and stuff that you're going to most gravitate to. And these things build a personality algorithm based off of what you like, what you type, what you do. Um, right. You know, and there's even some there's some debate out there as to whether Facebook is listening to your phone. Um, I had a friend that right. was. Um, going through a divorce and all of a sudden ads for divorce start popping up on their phone <laughs> you know and he's like well i'm not talking about this on facebook i've only talked about this with my friend and he calls me up and he's like what's going on here why am i getting these ads i'm like yeah you're you're being personality profiled through
3: words that you say that are coming through your phone so well and the, the one of the funny things with that um so um because of, you know, I work in digital communications. So I like to, um, I call it training the algorithm, right? Uh So Mm -hmm. if I want it to give me something, like I start inducing actions that will, you know, give me that content. So, um, when I was doing the Santa Muerta stuff, it thought when I looked at my profile on Facebook, you know, it'll give you that, like, this is what you are. I was a, a far left leaning Latino. Um that uh, you know, had these they had all this stuff so it was giving me these ads. Like Cesar ads. Chavez.
2: Yeah, right. Like it was amazing. <laughs> Dolores Forta. Like, see this that's inc- that's
0: the beauty of that incredible. matrix, cause once you understand how the rules work to it, you can fuck with it. You know. Right. Well you right. can't do in real life, but digitally you can't. That's there was a thing I did on Facebook. I'm like, go on Facebook, everybody on Facebook and start typing posts about fish sticks. And let's yeah. see if we can piss in this pool a little bit and see if we can generate stuff to happen. If not, it'll be a lot of fun to have the people on the other end of the computer scratching their heads, going, "Wow, people are really into fish sticks." Let's put yeah, some fish, t- fish sticks
3: trending all of a sudden. Yeah, somebody's thrown down a lot of cash into like fish stick futures. Like, oh man, this stuff's going to go massive. Yeah, and that's no. I wish I could do that right. in reality with the actual. But you can. No, but that's that's what that's what Steph is that's what Steph's talking about, and that's where you know. So well, and what Bernard Bateman was is is kind of discussing is this idea that you know so you've got this digital double right and so that like that provides you with these kind of false synchronicities which are you know ad driven and they're monetized Mm -hmm. and weaponized to a large extent as well now i mean we see with like QAnon and like just the current information environment is just like saturated with violence and like division and nightmare you know and so um you know that's that's kind of like the, the digital ether, but then there's this other area where the the real synchronicities come from, which is sort of like a you know an actual mental internet which we're all kind of connected to. You know, um, and that's what's cool about what Steph's doing is is kind of refining these tools of intentionality and focus to get to those synchronicities and start to kind of understand that. You know, and to to kind of uh, to dive into that and so with the um, with the remote viewing stuff um, one of the weird so one of the interesting things with remote viewing um, we'll start with remote viewing and then uh can talk about Gonsfeld too but so with remote viewing there's a weird thing with all well with all of parapsychology where you have the the kind of ground level science which is statistics and um you know trying as hard as you possibly can to pinpoint this phenomena in a way that's measurable and repeatable. Um, and then there's over that kind of the, just the human factor where these stories get told and these, uh, you know, these kind of, uh, myths and and legends build up around the stuff. And so Eric Wargo, uh, who wrote time loops, he has a piece out in the most recent, um, society for scientific exploration, um, journal, uh, That is on Pat Price, who's one of the most famous uh, remote viewers from the early remote viewing studies. And Pat Price is known as being, you know, uh, incredibly accurate. Um, He did this famous remote viewing of uh, a weapon site in Russia. And it's gone down in the kind of annals of remote viewing as being this uh, incredibly accurate. Um, It's one of the only times it was claimed that it was one of the only times that um, he couldn't have had precognition to get the information because the information only later came out in an Aviation Week uh, article that uh, was only available after he died. Um, however, what Eric found out by reading into the history, actually reading the um, material, uh, you know, the reports from the, the experiments and that, and then also Eric has a passion for Cold War history. So he went back and was reading the kind of wider context of what was going on at the time. It turns out that the information that Pat Price had come back with, which looked accurate to the Aviation Week article um, that had come out, was actually inaccurate to what was going on at the site. Completely inaccurate, didn't have anything to do with what was going on at the site. And if anything, Pat Price had remote viewed the Aviation Week article, which gave a whole mm-hmm. bunch of misinformation about the site. But the interesting thing was, was that it turns out, even if you go even deeper into the, the actual context of what was going on, what Pat Price had remote viewed were these rumors that were going around that were very uh, conducive to getting money pushed to certain contractors and certain interests within the Defense Department, whom he happened to be working with at the time, and who were probably talking about and spreading information about what would be confirmed by his remote viewing and then come out in the Aviation Week article. So... um, It, you know, in this, in trying to pinpoint it uh, in terms of uh, a scientific, like, reality, up to this point, we've gotten this story that, you know, oh, he remote viewed the site and it's amazing and look how accurate this was. Um, Because, you know, the only information where this came out was later on after he died in this article. Well, you know, it turns out that he most likely was precogging what he would hear later in terms of these rumors that were going around the defense uh, culture as to what was going on at the site and which benefited certain people who were looking for money to build weapon systems so and also you know kind of like a hawkish uh you know we need to have the best weapons um kind of thing so um you know in the in the meaningfulness of that it doesn't it doesn't detract from the his ability to precog or his ability to see but you know what then what then is remote viewing right and so um it becomes kind of, you know, it almost more in line with the synchronicities, you know, where it's these remote viewing seems to be able to to tap into, you know, it's a methodology. First, you know, first of all, remote viewing is not clairvoyance. It's not telepathy or any of these other kind of terms. Remote viewing is a protocol that you do with a monitor and the monitor, you know, feeds you a location and then you... Give information on where the, what what's at that location, um, and that there's a very strict protocol to that, and that is what remote viewing is. Um, so you know, is there a way to create a protocol for synchronicity, which is kind of what you're working on, Steph? You know, um, you know, and with with the Gonsfeld in that, um, you know, the Gonsfeld, uh, the, the different kind of targets that they used, um, it's another methodology to induce a meaningful coincidence or a meaningful correlation between the contents of a person's mind and then something happening outside of them, you know? And so I think it, the, you know, talking about synchronicity here, what I'm starting to kind of question and look at, um, which is kind of what Eric in his time loop books looks at is, you know, is, what, what exactly are we dealing with here? You know, cause we have all these different terms for it and all these different things, but when it comes down to it, it's kind of, it really comes down to these basic correlations between mental content um, emotional content and uh you know uh like somatic content of our bodies and then these outside events you know um with these different protocols being able to elicit them in different usable ways you know so so what is the protocol for synchronicity and then we can save Rojan, and he doesn't have to be worried. You know? Well,
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm I'm not worried. It's not it's not a thing of worry. It's and, it's just this feeling of lack of control of of you know why is this happening? And if it's happening, is there a meaning behind it? And if there's a meaning behind it, where am I supposed to go with it? How do I turn it off? And how can I control what I do with it? It's <laughs> a lot of <laughs> questions right <laughs> there in that statement. You know. <laughs> Most people want to change the world. I just want to change your oil. I don't know. I mean, there's a, it's it's a it's a lot of heavy stuff for me to understand. But it, like I said, I've said earlier though, it's like I've I've gotten to a point where I just accept that this is just the way things are for me. You know, you've got people that say they're supposedly psychic and they see dead people or whatever happens to them. As I get older in my life, more and more, it's kind of becoming like okay. All right, what what am I supposed to do with this? What's what's the grander scheme behind what's going on here and what's happening? Um, where where is what's going on right now in this particular situation? Where what does this mean and where is this supposed to go? It's it's become more of a jigsaw puzzle to me. Whereas before, it's like I don't want to do this. I don't want this to happen, but. You know, now it's just kind of like, all right, I get it. What am I supposed to do with this? Give me a clear answer in some way, shape, or form. And then there's all these little weird ones, like me and Steph have weird, strange things that happen every once in a while, which are kind of like I view as tongue-in-cheek kind of incidences, where it's just like something's there, is like going, "Hey, I'm still here." You know, mm-hmm. try to walk away, ain't gonna happen.
3: <laughs> you know, I know somebody uh, who they use synchronicities to help people. So they will, um, they'll just let the synchronicity guide them to where they need to be, encounter who they need to encounter, and help them, and then move on. And they, and that's just that's how they look at it. Like it's not. Oh, I've done um, that.
2: I'm yeah, i not so much these days, but I've done that in the past quite consciously. Yeah,
0: that kind of makes life into a World of Warcraft game at that point, though. So, oh uh,
3: you know, what <laughs> ga- uh, gamify gamify your life, Rogan? Yeah, and, I guess so. I mean, am I gonna start looking for people your...
0: with question marks over their head and walk up? Hey, you're a quest this, giver, this, what's going right. on? <laughs> and a person looks at me yeah. really strange, <laughs> you know, yeah. you have an exclamation point. I must go to you and find out what I need to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I know I have a really strange way of putting this stuff and looking at it, but in, in my brain, this is the only way that I can rationalize it and make it work because a lot of strange things happen to me. A whole lot of like my wife used to get really freaked out when stuff would happen she still does but it, like we just don't me and her just don't talk about this she comes from a very christian <laughs> very pentecostal conservative background and then i come along and well and just she,
3: tell her you're being led by the holy spirit then just go you know start speaking in tongues and be like this yeah. is the holy spirit me. I a snake.
0: oh it bit me that didn't work
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. but um this, it's kind of the way that, um, again, I go back to when people are like, well, how's magic work? You know, how, how, you know, I try to tell people, well, have you ever prayed before? Well, yeah, I've prayed before. All right, well, you are working magic then. You're just doing it in a different form. And magic, again, is putting your intention out there and your will out there and asking for something and trying. When you're praying for something, you're essentially doing the same thing as magic. It's just where you're directing your energy. And you're directing your energy towards God or Christ or whatever your religious belief happens to be to make a certain effect happen. And that's kind of the same thing that magic works with, where instead of magic, you're putting your intentions out into the universe or doing whatever you want to do. If you're into sex magic and you're making a sigil and you're charging it or whatever, you're still doing the same thing. It's just where you're putting it. So I go back to where Stephanie is talking about, where Stephanie is trying to trigger these synchronicities and make these things happen, which still kind of see in my – this. I know I'm I'm in a loop here, but in my mind, synchronicity is just something that happens, whereas Stephanie's trying to trigger synchronicity – which I go back to, that's not synchronicity. In, in my mind, synchronicity is just something rap- random as to where the universe is trying to push you in a certain way or, or go into a certain direction. And with what you're trying to do, you're trying to cause synchronicity, which is not something random that's happening. Let me, let's see. Am um, I getting this completely wrong or am I just too dumb to no, comprehend what's going no. on here?
2: Am I drinking too much <laughs> no, beer? No. <laughs> it, I think part of it is, um, you know, a matter of definition. And then also we have uh, You know, in our culture, we don't have um, a robust tradition of working with these concepts and energies and having uh, states of consciousness. Well, no, it's taboo in most cultures, especially in the Christian Mm -hmm. culture.
0: You know, if you if you're doing anything outside of the Christian culture or religious context, then therefore you're communing with the devil. You know, whereas I don't Mm -hmm. see it as black and white as that. You know, I see things that there's Mm -hmm. there's. I, there's something out there. There's something out there. Call it energy. Call it, call it whatever you want to call it. But I do believe that there's something out there of a greater source of you know reaching into the ether or whatever you want to call it. But in, in Western culture, it's you know we're very much about our beer, Budweiser, and pickup trucks. And you know to try to yeah. except for people like us, we're we're kind of a different breed. The people that are talking about this right now, the people that are listening to this show. Um, are more open to these kinds of concepts, but the average person really isn't. You know, if you try to talk about this with, with most people, it's kind of like you have to talk to them for a little while and get an idea of where they're coming from before you're free to talk about these kind of things without being, you know, getting a sideways glance from somebody or somebody thinking that you're nuts. You know, it, it takes
3: a lot for me Most, to talk about
0: this stuff with people.
3: Steph, do you think that in some ways this is a this is you know in the way that you know, like Rojan, you were talking about in a Christian culture, right? And I think that one of the, the things that uh, at least was kind of coming to my mind is that you know both Steph and I have have deeply looked at Buddhism
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, and and different traditions, and I think it gives a different kind of cosmological and ontolo- ontological understanding of reality.
0: Um, yeah, but that's not a that's not an American that's not an American well, kind of idea. That's something yeah, you know. That's more of a, an Asian concept or something kinda, along those lines. You know, so
3: it's it's weird because I live in I live in rural Georgia, right? And um, I'm surprised you haven't been burned at the stake yet. No, that's so. That's the interesting thing. And I've actually, you know, I actually talked to Jeff Kripel about this. Was that I. I go around in my day-to-day life, and you know the local folks that I that I spend time with. In that, they all totally get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're they're in their lives like synchronicity, meaningful coincidence, uh, you know, dead loved ones coming back to them and giving them messages. I mean, and I'm not, I don't want to like broadly generalize this, but oh, yeah, I mean, in, in a very serious sense, like it's way more common than it ever was when I was in the suburbs. You know, it's it's very much a thing that like people just they accept and they describe it in a different way. You know, that's what I was joking about just say it's the Holy Spirit or whatever. But
0: yeah, that's where I was about to go with it. When you find in the Bible Belt, these are people that just say this is an act of God. This is the Lord trying to tell me something. Everybody has their own way of of, of espousing
3: to but it. But it's interesting because the you know they're you know kind of. Uh, uh, a funny phrase down here and, and probably in most of the the Bible belt in the south is there's a difference between country and baptist right like there's country folks and then there's Baptist folks, you know, and country folks. I was folks, raised so Baptist, yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and so like and country folks, like that's moonshining, right? And that's like, you know, there may be a holiness tradition, but holiness tradition is your you know, your your grandma is is a teetotaler who, you know, goes into ecstasy over prayer, and your uncle is a moonshiner who, you know, has a hot rod doubt on the law kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like it's uh it's a different way of kind of existing outside the the kind of strict bounds of stuff but um, full
0: disclosure i have two stills that i make moonshine just to put that out there
3: great like <laughs> creek stills so you got like in the creek and everything no actually like, mine
0: are electric um i just run a water source from the top of them they look like they look essentially like big coffee pots they're electric stills they don't use any kind of flame so i'm not worried about blowing my house up but i've been doing moonshine for right, about right. 8 months 9 months now uh, i make a oh, batch every few months so yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a modern moonshiner. I have friends that are classic, old school that use the the copper kettles and the big copper stuff, right. and they do it that way. Whereas they kind of look at me and go, oh, "All right, well, I reckon if that works, you know." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, out, so, out here where I used to, we we just recently moved, but where I was living, and we're, we're still rural. But where I was living, um, the postmaster was the moonshiner, and mm-hmm. so it used to be. Uh, he'd retired by the time I moved down here, but it used to be, you know, people would put money in their in their mailbox, and then you know, the, the postmaster would The give jar of your moonshine mail. would just show yeah, up. Yeah, you get, get a jar of moonshine with your thing. Um, but to go back to the synchronicity thing, Steph, do you think it's a it's a cosmological and ontological issue? Do you think that um, Um, Having looked at Buddhism and kind of expanded the the concept of self.
2: I think that, well, I think that we have only been around as a species for not too long compared to the huge size and uh, duration of the universe. So it shouldn't be completely surprising that we don't understand everything quite yet. (laughs) But I do think a lot of it has to do with uh, the nature of consciousness, consciousness being primary and um, that we, we're not as separate as we like to think we are. I mean, even look at this whole thing with this uh, novel coronavirus. Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, I'm separate from all these other people. It's like, no, you're not. You know, when it comes to your biome of, you know, whatever viruses you're supporting, we're not all that separate um and I think on uh, the level of consciousness as well that we're not super separate when when I did that show with Alex I wrote up a bunch of different premonitions that I'd had personally and uh to me it was fascinating there was a couple ones that were like really very much uh, like a classic Eric Wargo time loop um there was one in which I really think that I was having a telepathic. Uh, connection with a friend who was worried about telling me something, which he told me the next day. Um, just different things And I, I, I couldn't really nail it down. There's, there's sometimes where I, I get a strong feeling that something is happening. Um, but other times it's just, you know, things are happening, but I, I really do believe that consciousness is primary that um, we are all connected on the subconscious level and you can uh, facilitate that connection. There's some people that you just have a chemistry with. There's a couple people on uh, Facebook that I'm friends with that just, um, you know, just, they tend to be people that have a lot of synchronicities too. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and they'll just send you something. Um, I was, uh,
0: so you have moths then? It,
2: yes. And I think they have uh, me as a moth too. Um, so I think sometimes you can kind of nail it down where it looks like this particular thing happened. Other times not so much. It's funny you bring up Eric Wargo because I tried to do a, a, a psychic influencing experiment on him. <laughs> and this gets <laughs> to the whole realm of meaning. This is like, I guess a couple of years ago, right before I'm uh, Anthony and I went to Italy for like a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago in the fall. And um, so this was shortly before that. I thought, I don't know, I was just like, ha-ha, Eric Wargo, I'll just try and psych it. So I sent myself a, uh, an email, and this is something I learned from Steve Ray, and I would encourage everyone, if you're interested in, in stirring all this shit up for yourself, um, you know, keep notes and send yourself uh, reminders like this. If you send yourself an email, it's like time and date stamped when you sent it and what you, what you said. So I just thought I'm going to have the, uh, a target of pomegranates for his next post. So, um, I sent myself that email and then, uh, I did something that turned out to be embarrassing for me, although he took it well. Uh, so how I'll work is, and I'm not sure what you call this, uh, technically, but I'll basically, uh, enter into a vision and be trying to like, you know, communicate to this person or my target, whatever the target is. So. The vision developed very nicely, and I was sitting uh, on a bluff above the Adriatic Sea, which, of course, is next to Italy. Um, But I didn't twig at at that moment. And so we were sitting facing each other, and I have a big pomegranate in my hand, and I'm showing it to him, and I'm, like, coring it and taking it apart. You know, they have that kind of fractal interior. And I ended up sitting so closely that his knees were between mine, which is I thought was mortifying, but I you know, it's what happened. So anyway, his next post ended up having a couple of things that were nice for the pomegranate hit. The uh, the image that he chose at the top of it was pomegranate colored and it had that same fractal look to it. But the thing that really blew my mind, and I don't think that he was all that impressed by it, but what really blew my mind, I've had a horrible problem for the better part of twenty years now. As a result, I've had a lot of illnesses in a treatment uh for it. I got nerve damage and my one uh actually both of my sacroiliac joints will move around. Um so my hip basically goes out of joint and it's incredibly painful like when they put people on the rack and you can't use your legs well and it's a big problem for me. That was actually the problem that I um, was trying to address when I did that ghost dog uh, synchronicity experiment. And that did help me. I did get an experiment or a diagnosis, which is what I was shooting for with that synchronicity experiment. Anyway, so I'm reading along this post, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then he quotes, which I didn't know, but there's the thing in the Bible where the guy's wrestling with an angel and the guy's hip goes out of joint. And that just blew my mind because, of course, you know, I'd have my thigh bones on his, right? Right. So I was like trying to convey to him how much this blew my mind. And I think he was kind of like, and he, he took it very well, and he gave me some very interesting stuff about pomegranates. Okay, so fast forward a couple weeks. I'm in Italy with my husband, and it was brutal because my leg was just completely fucked up. I spent like like half the time. Luckily, he booked really nice you know, places for us to stay. I spent like half the time just like, In bed, looking at the ceiling when I could have been seeing like Michelangelo's David, which was on my list, but I've seen it before. I wanted to see him again, but I didn't this time. But I did make it to the Uffizi because my other big thing was I just wanted to go to the Uffizi. I'd been there when I was a girl or I guess 18, I was on tour with a youth orchestra and it was marvelous because I'd always had a big interest in art. We had a lot of art books around the house and this is back in like 1980 and we just wandered in off the street and it was a completely different scene because they had the the gallery uh, kind of sunroof areas in there and it was just so cheap to go there and there was all these old Italian men and they're like playing chess and drinking coffee and doing crossword puzzles It was the most – and then, you know, you're seeing the most incredible art. I was just so blown away. I was really excited to go again. I went there, and I especially wanted to see uh, Botticelli's Primavera and, of course, the uh, Venus, Birth of Venus. So I'm sitting there looking at the Birth of Venus, and I turn around, and there's two Botticelli's I've completely forgotten about. They're two – Madonna and Child, uh, and in each one, the baby has a pomegranate, which – Because i completely forgotten about that. I mean, I probably saw it (laughs) when I was 18. So people are saying cryptomnesia. But um, yeah, and then, of course, it it did end up that I I had an absolutely horrible time with my leg getting out of joint during that trip, which could have been anticipated. But yeah, so that was kind of one of those things where um, I forget where I was going with this. But it can be. Oh, I know. It could be hard to convey to another person because, you know, it's hard. You know, you say, well, I have this really bad problem with nerve damage and people don't realize how it impacts your life, you know, to the point where, you know, I hadn't been on a plane in 20 years. I finally go someplace and I'm like in the hotel room, just like crying, (laughs) literally. And then, of course, you know, Florence and a lot of these hill towns, you can't really drive around there. You have to walk you can't catch a cab. And so you know I was having to walk and I, you know I had to wear compression stockings because of course I threw a clot years ago and um which is another thing that almost killed me and uh you know so it's hard to convey to another person just how much it will blow your mind when you have this very specific problem that came came across and then you know how it's um reflected later in in this art in the um in the Uffizi but um, yeah, I was thinking about that because you'll have, you know, I've been trying to cultivate these ones where it, it has nice documentation, and then people can see. You know, I, I had this uh, one uh, last fall. This kind of complicated, but the, the kind of centerpiece of it is um, we were having firestorm conditions here in Napa, and you know, we've. I mean, I spent uh, a week in 2017 just on. You know, we were surrounded by fire the whole time. Couldn't see anything. Smoke. I was looking to having to evacuate my mom out of her house. I mean, it was very stressful. So this uh, last fall, we had firestorm conditions again. They shut off all the electricity in this huge area, and it ended up being um, uh, the bridge in, in uh, near Crockett caught it caught on fire on one end of this bridge and blew across like a half mile across to the other side of this bridge over you know this cold seawater. And I mean this is the type of thing for years in California they you eat a hundred feet of defensible space around your house in case there's a fire. And it's like this thing just blew over a half a mile of defensible yeah. space, you know? <laughs> so that was very stressful. I'd had a kind of a, a tip towards sugar and it the most prominent thing that you see next to this bridge is a CNH sugar factory with this classic neon sign. I was very worried because my old uh, landlord's daughter and her son were living in this town. They had to evacuate, right? Now, I found out they were fine, luckily, and their their house was fine. So I find out later, and in both ways, it was very very nice, because in both ways, it was like on a, a, a digital communication instead of calling me on the phone, that my dad and his wife had been going to that bridge, and had to turn around, something that should have taken maybe uh, 45 minutes for them to get home, took all the rest of the day, because they had to go so out of their way, because of the traffic and everything, and also, so they were coming from the south, from the north, my brother had come down that day, he was going to try and go to Berkeley and then visit us, and he was right there when that fire broke out, and had to be turned around and go, you know, way out of his way, Um, so... You know, it's just that is is easier because they have the documentation. Um, and then also it's real easy for people to see the meaning of why you would be stressed out because there's this huge fire and your friends and your family are like right there in danger. so they can see the emotional content. So um, But then there's other ones where you just have no proof because it's all just been kind of like completely in your head, but then it it comes out, you know, big time in the material world which is the hardest thing to convey to someone else but at the same time i think it has the most kind of like loosening effect on a person's like you know like you were talking about their on you know cosm- cosmological view their whole ideas of ontology all your philosophical things are going to get really shaken up if it's something that's just been completely private to you that suddenly is displayed in the well, world in this strange way that really
0: depends on your 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 background and where you're coming from. If you're from the I Ching or Taoism or Buddhism, you know you'll you might be more inclined to look at that and just go, oh yeah, that's the way that's the way this works. You know, embrace this and roll with it. So it yeah. becomes it becomes a matter. of – It could be like as again in Christianity of, of of any of the one thousand three hundred nine million Christian faiths. This is the Lord, you know, talking to me or working with me in some way, shape, or form. I think everybody, mm-hmm. to some extent, unless you are a hardcore skeptic and you just believe in, in, in randomness, then you know everybody has a way that they come to this from what they're seeing it from. Whereas, as, as I said earlier, we are we are kind of outside of that scope to where we're more inclined to look at it and go, you know, and see things for something deeper than what's actually there. Maybe there isn't, but we're we're looking more for something there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a matter of where you come from, I guess.
2: Yeah. And how, like you're saying, how, you know, how open you are. I mean, for me, I've had, you know, I've almost died a few times, pretty. <laughs> Never seen pretty, the kid, uh, does it? <laughs> no. And I was going to say, uh, it was pretty serious, you know, where you're kind of like really sick for a long time and it takes you forever to get over. It's, just, it's not just like, wow, you know, I almost got hit by a car, yeah. um, which is long, bad enough.
3: Like a yeah. Long, slow, long, <laughs> slow.
2: Yeah. But those
0: experiences are, are kind of, um, I guess I'll say what opened up your third eye, you know, um, oh, yeah. you know, those are the things that, that triggered you into looking further into looking into something more maybe.
2: Well, that's funny that you say that at, at, right after I talked about getting hit by a car, because I actually, one one of the things that happened to me is I was in a car accident and it split open my forehead <laughs> when I was 20, when I have like a six inch long scar on my face. Um, so yeah, I guess I was pretty dedicated to
1: opening literally. the
3: third eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Third eye. <laughs> it was like <laughs> tra- was like, tra- like right easier here. than trappening. You know, you didn't <laughs> have to actually it just it just happened.
0: Oh man. But we're you know. coming on over the over over the hour mark now. We're coming up on an hour and twenty minutes or something like that. Is there some grand message or scheme that we can take away from all of this for people that has these kind of things happen to them? Or You know is there is there anything that we can put out there is there like like me i don't i i tend to try i i tend to resist this kind of stuff but you know is there a greater message that we're trying to put out here or or is this just something that is what it is i feel like i'm closing the maury povich show
3: (laughs) 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 closing words (laughs) well i think that you know i think one of the uh, what, what Steph's doing in terms of, of this methodology, I think bringing it back to a kind of methodological protocol kind of thing, like how do you, and which also goes into what you're kind of, uh, questioning here, Rojan with, you know, magic versus synchronicity and what's the, where, where is this the same and different and that kind of thing. And I think that, um, you know, like the emailing yourself, um, if you have, if you have something that kind of starts to trigger that meaning feeling, you know, send it to yourself. And the reason that, uh, Steph mentioned email, I think is the, the timestamp and the, the, you know, you get like a, a digital marker that gives you, this was sent, um, at this time, you know, so if there is a kind of, if you're going to go up against a skeptic with it or even your own skeptic, your own internal skeptic, you can say, well, you know, this was clearly sent at this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, uh, you know, then, you know, so sort kind of paying attention to these things, um, not to the point of going crazy with it, you know, um, but, but kind of starting to, to dip your toes into it. Well, and I guess with the crazy thing, though, I, a word of warning would be um, I don't know if, I know, Steph, you're familiar with the RAND or not. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar no, with I, the RAND.
0: I don't think so, no. Uh,
3: so it's an app that generates synchronicities. Um, right. so that's its that's purpose. It's this app you can download and it will, uh, you set an intention. And then you use the app and the app will give you a geolocation where you go to. And um, according to, to reports, you will encounter your intention in some manner, right? So um, they they were going good with it. it you know, Some of the stuff is kind of spooky, kind of weird, kind of mysterious. They hit 2 million users. And, uh, I don't know if it was a week later or a little bit longer than that. And, um, somebody finds a a mutilated body in a, uh, a suitcase. (laughs) So, you know, one of the the things with kind of playing with the synchronicities, um, is that it can get strange and it can get unmooring, you know, I don't know if that's just the random thing where it was just like, you know, turn, turn everything up
0: I tell people when they start getting into this
3: kind of stuff, I,
0: I've had this conversation with many people. It's like, all right, if you want to get into this magic or call it whatever you will, synchronicities, empathy, all of this kind of stuff, it's like you can push it, but you have to think of it as a rubber band. So as hard as you push into it, it's gonna push back just as hard. So yeah. you need to be ready to to bend and move with that. It's kind of like it's kind of like stepping into a stream, you know, you have to be ready to move with that stream. And you can fight it and you can fight it for a little bit, but eventually at some point you're going to have to flow with it. And if you try to redirect it, or if you try for every, uh, for everything you put into it, it's going to push back just as hard as you put into it. Um, much like magic, there is a cost for everything that you do. So you have to be very careful of where you go, where you push and what you do with it. Um, which is part of what scares me with all this stuff. It's like, all right, so this happened. What is this going to mean? Um, so it's because I've had even with trips and stuff recently where I've had to go places and do things with people. Weird things have happened to make things work and gel in a certain way to make a certain certain thing happen. Um, so it's it's tricky. So when I tell people, if you're interested in this stuff, just be very careful and be very cognizant and be very aware of what you're doing and learn the rules and pay attention to the rules and don't try to bend them too much. You know?
2: Yeah. If you're gonna be interested. In doing these type of things, I mean, I actually have uh, my uh, blog post on my method for inducing synchronicities, and a lot of it is uh, talking about how to take these type of experiments p- apart or help them to calm down. I would say to anyone who's interested in this, uh, first of all, you need to be aware that, I mean, I was not joking when I'm about the innumerable synchronicities involving my panties or Butts Canyon or... or things on fire all this crazy stuff I mean so you have to have a you know be able to to deal with that I mean for me on the whole I have a sense of humor about it I I mean I'm constantly embarrassed but um, there's a lot of worse things that could happen than being embarrassed Uh, but the other thing is you want to make sure that you have a nice grounding and kind of consensus material reality Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. in your life. and so you know you need to have uh you know a decent diet uh you want to be walking or having some type of exercise you want to have hobbies and you know people that you can go visit with they'll take your mind off stuff and just you know have a good time um you really need to develop that balance because like you're saying virgin it's going to or as they was saying it's going to unmoor you to a certain extent if it works hopefully yeah i mean
0: how many times have I contacted you stephanie with i mean I'm not going to go into specifics where I've had some very strange things happen, and I've messaged you saying, "Hey, I did this, I did a mm-hmm. and B happened so you know what what's going on here and you're very blase and you're very cool about it you've you've talked you've walked me through a couple of things um One of them had to do with a a ring in my backyard. So, (laughs) you know, again, it's like, and and when things do happen, you know, kind of um, just kind of sit back and try to see it for what it is. There's, there's been things that I still don't understand why or what happened to me. Um, But yeah, just, you know, just if you're really going to go into this, be go into it with an open mind and, and be careful and, and just be ready for stuff, you know, and, you know, just, just try to be careful with it and do what you can do. But or you can be like me and just let things happen and sit back and go. Okay, now what was that all about? Why why did this happen? (laughs) Because for me, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Here's the pieces. It's like buying one of those black jigsaw puzzles that has no picture on it. It's entirely black, and you got to build it with the pieces. (laughs) That that's the way that I see this stuff.
3: Well, and that's that's a good way though because I think you know like the QAnon thing is an example of like what not to do, right? Like don't build like. Don't build, like, a superhero story where, like, the synchronicities are leading you to be, like, you know, some kind of, like, agent in the galactic order against, you know, some cosmic menace or something. Uh Because that, I think, is the, the, like, paranoia is bad, you know, and conspiracy paranoia, like, conspiranoia, like, that's Mm -hmm. bad. So if, like, synchronicities are starting to lead you to think in these terms that are... You well, know. perhaps
0: it's part of the energy that you put into it. If you're putting that kind of energy yeah. into it, then those yeah. things are – again, it goes back to magic. If, if you're going to put those kind of intentions and ideas into it, then that's what you're going to – garbage in, garbage out. You know.
3: Yeah. And that's, you know, like what Steph was talking about, like good diet, you know, like healthy activities, take a walk, enjoy nature, you know, um, help some moths that are on the ground. You must be outside
0: because I can hear the cicadas screaming into your phone right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, yes, no, get you're getting the real Georgia uh, living in the woods Anna, That's
2: fun. We get them here, but they just make they just tap.
0: No, he's talking he's in the middle of a wind tunnel of cicadas right now. Yeah,
2: I'm
3: in the full, Georgia woods. It's it's fun. We have that.
2: Oh, plus, oh, so have you? Oh, this completely off topic. But have either of you guys seen the comet yet?
3: I have not. No, have. It's been, it's ah. been weirdly rainy and like oh. about 90 degrees here. So,
2: um, oh, humidity. I, I mean, like,
3: yeah, Ugh. yeah, Georgia is a sweaty, sweaty place. Um, we don't have air conditioning, which is why I'm outside. I'm just, I'm taking mm-hmm. a, a little, <laughs> a little non, non inside humid break. Um, but yeah, the trees and everything. I wanted to see it. Um, somebody tweeted out that it was right underneath the Big Dipper, and I was like, "Oh, I could find that." Yeah. You know? um, but unfortunately, the trees and everything. I would have to walk through. We haven't. We just got a lawnmower, and um, and it's on nine acres, so I would have to walk through. Which I have walked through, but um, I'm I I will stop after this drift. But when you're in a forest area, foresty kind of area that has not been mowed in a season, um, and you're in Georgia, the Carolina nightshade grows like crazy, and you won't see it, and you won't notice it, and you'll be like, oh, this grass is really soft, and by the time you get back to wherever you're going, or wherever you get to your, where you're going, you'll be shredded with Carolina Reaper, which is slightly poisonous well it's incredibly poisonous to eat it but even the like little thorns and stuff so I had one too many experiences where I was like I can walk through this grass oh there's nothing wrong with this and can then I, I like yeah was, no I can't do that so point being at night didn't really want to go venture into that that uh, thing to see the comments
0: all right, well, we're going to wrap it up now. So, David, um, this is your chance to put out, if you have any blogs, any books, any place that people can go to find you and read what you talk about. Because, as we've said, you have your fingers deep into a lot of different um, esoteric and just really cool stuff. So if people want to read a blog or anything, or do you have any books, or where, where do people
3: find you? Um, they, I have uh, the co-written piece that I did with Diana and in uh – an Oxford University Press, um, Oxford University Press anthology, um, which I've actually forgotten the name of right now. Cause I don't think about it, but it's on, uh, <laughs> it's on digital, digital Belief. Um, so you can look that up. Look up, look up Diana Pasolka and uh, an Oxford University Press anthology on Digital Beliefs. It probably has a really great name, um, but I don't remember that. Uh, but they can go to davidmetcalf.wordpress.com uh, is my blog. Um, or Twitter. I'm on Twitter as David B Metcalf. And uh, I don't have any books that I've, I've put out myself or any saleable oh, need items to fix that. or anything. Yeah, but you're going to be stop. at a
2: conference, right?
3: Yeah, oh yeah, the Strange Reality Conference, which you'll actually be at as well. Um,
2: Yay! Yeah.
3: That's The Strange Reality Conference uh, being put on by the good folks at Conspire Normal. Um, looks like it's going to be a, a fun, uh, really well-packed event. Probably one of the best things to happen because of the quarantining and lockdown and all that is the fact that more folks are moving to digital things. So it won't be, you know, it won't be in person, but, uh, I think more people in a more diverse crowd can come. So, uh, speak and, uh, so that'll be, that'll be fun. I don't know. When is that? Is that in September? Sir?
2: September 25th through the 27th or something like that. But you can, uh, look up a uh, search strange realities conference Expense. 2020.
3: Yeah, stringgeologiesconference.com, I think, is the website. So
2: yeah, and they have all the information there. So yeah, I'm real excited about it because, like you say, um, I've never actually been to any uh, paranormal conferences, even though I've been, you know, interested in this stuff since I was very small. Cause I, you know, I just don't travel well and stuff, so it's it's really fun. I think that a lot of different people are going to be able to be there, so it's exciting.
3: Yeah, that'll be. I think it's and Josh Cutchen will be there. Um, Tony Kale who I'm really excited about getting a chance to hear him speak. He wrote the book uh, on Memphis Hoodoo, and he does a lot of stuff with uh, different kind of Africana folk magic traditions, which is going to be good. i been pursuing that guy, trying here. to get him
0: on my show forever, and I haven't been able to get in touch with him.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, I, you know, it's weird. So Tony's interesting because he, uh, I actually found him through the Santa Muerta research because he actually did a lot of work with uh, educating police on uh, non-Christian belief systems. And so he wrote a book um, from a kind of, like, uh, Justice Department uh, perspective on Santa Muerta, and he's moved kind of away from that now over the years and moved more into... um, He actually started out kind of going through the, like evangelical scene you know like the the kind of like counter cult like uh ministry scene and through his experiences working with folks in africa and through uh getting to know you know different people in in wicca and that kind of thing uh as he was doing this kind of like uh cult awareness programming stuff he realized that like the evangelical kind of witch hunt mentality was terrible, and that like he's he's drifted away from that, and he's he's a really solid guy. He's got a beautiful heart, um, really passionate about the thing. He runs a um, a traveling museum of hoodoo and conjure culture, which is just it's amazing. Um, he's got all this rare ephemera from the you know the the 20th century, uh, different. Um, conjure curio and hulu curio company catalogs and books and and items and stuff it's really cool um and then jack montgomery will be there who uh jack montgomery actually knew some of the uh noted uh practitioners of powwow um who i forget i forget i think it's gandhi i think is the guy's last name but he was a pennsylvania um powwow practitioner (laughs) Excuse me. And he knew uh, J.E. McTeer, who was a high sheriff in Beaufort County, South Carolina, who was a conjure practitioner and a high sheriff. Uh, really wild uh, character from the mid-20th century who practiced uh, hoodoo and that, but also was a, a white sheriff in Beaufort County. So he, uh, he, knew, he knew McTeer and that. So Jack will be there. Um, there's a bunch of other folks who Josh Kutchen will be there. Uh, Tim, Timothy Renner, Steph. Uh, I think, are you talking about synchronicity on that too? Are you going to do a presentation on?
2: Yeah, I'm going to be talking about how to actually induce synchronicities, my we'll method switch. and some of, yeah, some of what I've um, developed as far as ways to document them and also ways to help yourself, you know, maintain your balance. So, I've never given that type of presentation before, so I'm kind of racking my brains. I just sent you guys, thank you, you brought up the uh, sheriff there. I sent you guys a picture. Uh, so, I was complaining to my mom about I get all these stupid synchronicities. So, yesterday she was reading this article on the paper and uh, she was, uh, well, she started laughing severely at one point, and she said, oh, there's a synchronicity in here. You're going to crack up. So it's about these two ladies that are like in their 80s, and they walk the same trail that I do, a different section, every day, and they pick stuff up. So they're talking about everything that they do, and they said, well, what's the oddest thing you've found? And they said, they start talking about underwear, and I was dying. But the <laughs> You thing crack- <an>, <laughs> underwear, woman, I swear. <laughs> well, here, this, this is good. What do you like the Victoria Secret right now, though? So she hands me this thing, and I'm reading down. And, you, David, you just posted recently about that sheriff guy. Yeah. One of these sisters was married to a sheriff. I was dying laughing.
3: Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's Yeah, I
3: mean, I to bring him up here, too. I'm obsessed with J.E. McTeer just because he's such a, a wild character. I mean, like a white sheriff in the segregated South who is um, intent on truly being a public servant. So Mm -hmm. he learns Conjure and he learns, uh, the, you know, the, I mean, essentially the, the kind of like, uh, African, uh, healing traditions and that so that Mm -hmm. he can help his constituents who feel that they've been hexed. I mean, that's just, to me, that's, that's just, that's amazing. And I think it's a lesson to, to learn these days too, um, I did find that the Diana Pasolka book. It's called Believing in Bits, and it's Mm. it's an awesome book. Um, Believing in Bits: Digital Media and the Supernatural. I I would recommend it not just because I've got a co-authored piece in it, but it's a cool look at how technology is affecting people's beliefs and that. And it's got a nice selection of uh, scholars uh, Mm. talking about that. Also, if I'm recommending things, I would recommend folks check out uh, Stephen Finley's work. Um, which is uh, in the same kind of uh, milieu of uh, anthologies. He's a professor at Louisiana State University who's looking at UFOs and uh, African American culture, and it's his stuff mm-hmm. is awesome. So, wow, yeah. that's
0: that's a topic mm-hmm. that you never really hear tapped on.
3: No, that's the thing. I, you know, that's it's. I know we're we're drifting. This was a closing thing, and we're, we're drifting back into stuff. But very quickly, one thing that with the McTeer idea is that. Um, I've been shocked at how um, I, I, segregated might be a word to, to use, or to, I mean, just I've been shocked at how strangely avoided uh, black culture is in all these topics. And, and that's, you know, when we we're talking about the synchronicities and stuff like that, it's, it's amazing because in black culture, like this stuff is. You know, again, not to generalize, but it, there's a there's an element of it that's much more accepted. You in know, my dream book obsession. Um, some folks came down to the property that I was staying at before to look into their ancestry. Their uh, their family was related to some folks who had uh, unfortunately been enslaved on the property um, back in the you know back in the, the slavery days. Um, and they came down to kind of research their history, and they stayed at the property. And they were from Detroit, and they totally knew about it. Well, Detroit and L.A., and they totally knew about dream books, um, had amazing dream experiences in researching their ancestry, where they were given names in dreams on the property that turned out to be names of uh, and, like, folks that they were related to that they didn't even know. Um, really cool stuff. But, you know, again, it was kind of like an everyday sort of thing, and they were totally accepting of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So Finley's work is really important in that aspect because the popularity of the UFO stuff that we have now is a very mediated uh, popularity and it's a very uh, narrow focus on what these experiences actually are. And there's a much wider field to look at. All
0: right, Dave, we're going to let you go. Thank you very much for coming on here and having this conversation. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you.
0: Hello and welcome to Monster Legend Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner, and this podcast, I will take you to a new place every week to talk about cryptids and
3: folklore around the world. Every Monday at 12 p.m., a new episode will come out, and we'll talk about all the monsters and creepy folklore
0: that surrounds that area. So I hope you join me every week on Monday. On all your favorite podcasting platforms on Monster Legend Podcast. And remember, every week, everywhere, cryptids on Monster Legend Podcast. Hey there, fellow archivists. This is Alex from the Alex Cast talking to you. I just want to tell you that I have a brand new book of short stories out. It's called The Terravada Machine and Other Stories available on Amazon. Just search for Alex Bolan, Alex with two X's, or you can go to alexbolan.com if you want a direct link. That's A-L-E-X-X-B-O-L-L-E-N.com. The Terravada Machine and other stories. It's the sort of short story book that people that listen to Project Archivist would enjoy. It's got weird stuff in it and emotionally raw things, but you can skip those if you want. There's There's one about the Mandela Effect. It's right up your alley. So please give it a read. The Terravada Machine and other stories available now. Thanks. So, David Metcalf, it's been too long since I've talked to him. And I know because we had a conversation after we ended the show, we had a conversation with him again that went on for about another 20 minutes um, about folk magic and hoodoo and stuff. And we're going to that's going to happen. I mean, I I know you, you're going to set it up and yep. <laughs> um we'll we'll definitely be talking to him pretty soon. I would I would say within the next month or so we're going to have that ball rolling again. But um I'm not sure if he was standing in the middle of a wind tunnel or or what was going on there or because there's parts in this call where it's like um I hope we can hear you. <laughs> I think a lot of it was cicadas. Yeah, and once we figured out once I figured out he was walking in the woods mm-hmm. and his phone was picking stuff up cuz that's when I messaged you. I'm like, "Do you have an air conditioner or something going on or whatever?" and then I was like, oh, he's walking through the woods at night in Georgia.
2: I know, um, for for once it wasn't me. Thank you, David. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was still a good show. He's, he's really fun and interesting to talk to. And it, it just amazes me that he doesn't have a book or – you know, a bigger blog or, or anything. Cause this guy's got so much knowledge. You would think that he would just put this out there. He's been on all kinds of podcasts. He's been on radio Mysterioso a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been on our show a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've seen him all over the place and it's like I said, he's one of these people that I've wanted to get back on for any number of reasons, but I've just never been able to nail him down about it. You know, like the whole social engineering thing. Cause he works with that kind of stuff in the background mm-hmm. and he brought up the whole, like uh, how, like, electronically, like these things profile you, these apps profile you, these things, and they they figure out what you're going to be interested in to cater and to market to you. And TikTok is the biggest one about that. And I am I am on TikTok as well. I have all these crazy animal people that I feel like there's a guy that's got a pet skunk and a chick that's got pet squirrels oh. and, you know, yeah. all, all these different things and all these little cute animals and stuff like that. So I, I, I follow that kind of stuff, you know, and they keep trying to throw like chicks at me. And I'm like, no, no, I want to see the animals. I want to see the squirrels. I want to see the chipmunks. I want to see the weird pets. But um, these apps build a digital profile of you. And then in turn they make things happen like kind of electronically synchronicity. Like here's books that you're interested in and they just drop an ad on there or Mm -hmm. these different kinds of things because technology profiles you in such a way. But, um, you know, it was, it was just a blast to talk to him. And this is usually when you do these shows, I kind of just sit back and keep my mouth shut and throw something in here or there. But this one, I'm like, I can't keep my mouth shut. (laughs) So, you know, trying to, but I just couldn't. So,
2: no, I was really glad because it, it, What can I say? Uh, It's, uh, you know, it's a big topic. And I know that you and I have had a lot of synchronicities between the two of us. And, you know, we're both type people where this happens a lot. And it just opens up a whole can of worms about what the heck? Is going on, yeah. Um, so no, I was. I'm always happy to to hear what you have to say about that stuff. It was a lot of fun. I really yes. enjoyed it. I hadn't spoken with him before. It was really fun to speak with him. You have and- this
0: empathic ability to pull from pe from people, and you you manage to pull stuff out of me that I normally don't like to talk about and put out there in the open. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. edit it out of the show. Like every time I get on the show with you, we get onto certain topics. You just pull stuff out of me. And there's things that I just never talk about with people unless I'm really close to them and you have this habit of pulling that shit out of me.
2: <laughs> I tend to do that to people I've yeah, that you, way. and it's, it's actually that's something that in my own practice that I how do I say I have learned to tone, actually tone that down and have a little bit more control over that over the years because I tend to be a type of people where – you know, I think there's a lot of people that have this type of experience where you're just like kind of going down the street or hanging out someplace and someone comes up to you and within like three minutes they've told you about their life yeah, story that's a huge the thing that's flame happening, effect.
0: yeah, that's um, a moth and flame effect, and that's that's a very that's a known empathic ability well, well people in the empathic circle refer to that as pulling um and mm-hmm. that's where um the problem is is people get kind of addicted to that and they, they yeah. get to a point where it's like they they come to you to to have you pull things off of them. To make them feel better or whatever. And there's another one which is nudging and then there's pushing um, which mm-hmm. are pretty close to the same things where you can kind of nudge or empathically push people into something to, to do something. But it kind of follows the laws of magic where Like, you can't make somebody fall in love with you. You can't make somebody buy something. You can't make somebody kill somebody. But if the core of the idea is there and you can sense that, you can push on that and you can nudge that and you can push it further into something else. And you can make it greater than it is. It's kind of like an inception kind of thing. If you know the idea is there, then you can push (laughs) that along. But by the same token... You know, there's there's this ability to pull from people, which is, you know, if you know something is there and somebody gets talking about it, you can pull more and more of that out of them and pull people in different <laughs> directions and things like that. And that's where the whole, that's kind of where the whole thing about me and the group that the people that I know, the whole moth and the flame kind of thing, people are drawn to that light. They're drawn to that that um, presence in people to be able to, to to talk or to vent or to do whatever.
2: I have a friend
0: that, that um, is, is a listener of the show, I'm not going to mention any names, um, and if they're listening right now, they're going to know who I'm talking about, but um, their wife actually is involved with a business, and, and they're very good at it, and that's they've made it into a business to be able to go into a company and figure out, this is what's wrong with your people, and this is what you're doing, and they've used these abilities in a way to, it's not to make money off of it, but they're not doing it in a sleazy kind of manipulative kind of way. So, you know, and you have that in you, (laughs) that's something that you you have, you have that ability in you to be able to pull stuff out of people. And it's, it's rather impressive. So anyways, now that I've gone off on a tangent of my own, but um, again, thank you for putting these shows together and thank you for doing this. It's nice to, to just be able to sit back and let somebody else drive every once in a while and Put my feet up on the dashboard and blast the radio and listen to Skinner. So,
2: <laughs> no, it's absolutely a treat. And you know what's funny is, um, I want to end with another little synchronicity thing that the, the synchronicity I was talking about with all the people on the bridge yeah. uh, had a coda where there was a, a podcaster and a friend of his who had started the whole ball rolling on that. He was in London with his girlfriend and they left the London Bridge just shortly before that guy came and started stabbing people. Um, it last fall, that terrorist attack. And then there was that guy on the bridge who picked up that narwhal tusk. Oh, shut up. You know... to try to know, defend against it. You know, you went to Yes, he did. Stuff. You, could, you could go look at the
0: Wikipedia. I and know, I was thinking, you got to give me shit about the narwhal thing over and over again.
2: But here's the thing. <laughs> at, this, was last, this was last fall, right? And I was thinking, this is like very obvious to me because it's like really out of place, right? It's like super awful. I thought it's obviously... Really out of place. It's really uh, kind of uh, front loaded or foregrounded, I'd rather to say, and it for me is very much associated with you and a lot of the people that, that listen to this show. So, and I was thinking, what can this mean? But then, of course, this year, as it happened, due to circumstances which neither of us could have foreseen, we ended up having this collaboration happening. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting how you have these kind of clusters of, of meaningful things that attract your attention. And, and then there'll be this like one, like you say, a puzzle piece. And you're like, what can this mean? But it's actually foreshadowing something that's going to be happening in the future. So
0: I've had that happen know. before many times, many, many yeah. times. It's yeah. it's weird how the whole synchronicity thing works. It's weird how it presents itself and how it does things and how yeah. how things happen. And, and again, I go back to it's like did I make this happen? Did I, you know, did did like did, did me and somebody else who wanted the same common goal do something to make this work this way so these events come out the way that they do? You know, or you know, or is it just the way the universe works or you know, is is there a point where you're tapping into this stuff to be able to do these kinds of things? And mm-hmm. you know, within the last year, it's I, I don't know, maybe within the last I don't know nine, ten months, I've been I'm embracing it more and more and more. I find, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't quite understand it. I don't know what it is, and I still don't entirely know if there's anything to it. But you know, I see results in some way or another. I see it's, it goes back to I, I don't always get what I want, but very frequently I get what I need. So. Mm-hmm. You know, good. I don't know. There's, there, there might be something to it. I don't know. And again, I'm not, maybe I'm just getting less scared of it. I'm, I'm embracing it a little bit more. I'm not really sure. So, because I've met a lot of people that do different things and they do things differently, and I'll go, okay, well, that's you're doing it that way. This is the way I do it, or you know, yeah. and that's it is what it is. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so yeah, let's let's call this good because this show has gone pretty long, and I'm not sure how many people are still listening all the way through here. <laughs> But um, I know for a fact that a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be sending me messages on Facebook saying, hey, dude, it's blah, 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 blah. Because every time I do a show like this, people get really deep with me and I just don't get that deep into it. They're like, oh, consciousness Mm -hmm. is affected by this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, I'm not that far into it. I'm like, I know this works and you you need to do more shows on consciousness. And I'm like, I'm not really – I'm not really there. I'm not into that kind of stuff. I just – whatever happens, happens. And I don't know. I'm weird about it. So – Anyways, thanks again for doing this, and uh, again, let's do this again soon. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, this is Rogan from Detroit, and your stuff from California. Um, you, I'm uh, going to be out watching the comment. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out and do that right now. <laughs> do you uh, again? This is where I give a chance. You know, where, where's your blog at? Um, what are you doing? You already mentioned that you're going to be in the in the conference. Um, you know, do you got anything in the works or get anything going on in your blog or anything before we go?
2: Uh, no, just uh, Ghost Dog is a mystery box is my blog. It's stephaniequick home, I think dot blog. And um, oh, the, if people are interested, if in further about synchronicity and someone who actually came up with a uh, a uh, kind of a physics-based ideas about what could be uh, at work in synchronicity. Uh, the Anomaly Archives are going to be hosting this talk on Eugenia Maser's story on um, the early part of August. It'll, I think it'll be a live event, and then after that, it should be available to watch on their website. So keep an eye out for that. So
0: that's it. All righty. This is Rojan. Peace out. See you guys again.